please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. I'm Chloe. And today we're talking about the first half of New Moon, the second novel in the saga. Episode three. Episode three, New Moon. But before we get on to the books, how have you been? So we've already seen each other this week. Yes, we this have. This is the second time I've had the pleasure of your company. Oh, stop. We went to the movies. We did. And what did we see? We saw Us. Yes. The Jordan Peele film. Yeah, we did. I really didn't want to go. Well, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, not to be rude, but like... No. I was about to say you weren't invited. <laughs> but it's you... true, I wasn't. I invited myself. <laughs> I was like, hang on, you're going to be in London. You're seeing other friends, not me. I just... Please! I wasn't even seeing other friends. I just had the day off. You asked if we could have a FaceTime catch-up. And I was like, oh, I can't actually do Tuesday night. I'm going to see a movie. And I was just going to leave it at that, because I knew it wouldn't be your thing. But I thought it was quite rude to come to London, where you live, to see a film and not call you and not explain. It is very rude. Yeah, so I didn't didn't do that, though. No, don't lie to me. I was like, oh, I'm going to see this movie, but I think you'll hate it. And you're like, I booked tickets. (laughs) It was good, though. It was good. Did you have nightmares? No. Yeah, I was very impressed with myself. That's good. Yeah. Great film. But not what we're here to discuss. No, we should... We should get, get back to... on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so New Moon. Do you have any strong memories of this particular book? I remember being so excited to buy the book after Twilight. Natch. Yeah. Uh, needing to know what happened next. Spoiler alert, Edward leaves in like the third chapter. Mm-hmm. I was furious. You didn't like the book? No, I hated it. And Even I... then, you didn't like... Even then, I was because I loved Edward. Edward was the guy that I wanted. He was the whole reason I read these books. Oh God, the pining, the the wastage of paper. The <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. You know those chapters. <laughs> we'll get there, but it was just awful. So you have memories of, of hating it, yeah. And then I just remember getting to chapter 17, which we're not going to discuss in this episode. No. But finally, a vampire is is mentioned. So I'm like, thank God. Wow. Yeah. I don't have memories of my feelings about the book. I remember, weirdly, like, where I bought it. I bought it at a services on a family road trip. We were going to the West Country to see my mum's parents. It was up on the wall in any major bookshop. You've got the wall of bestsellers. So I remember just picking it straight off. I'd just finished Twilight. And I remember my aunt reading the excerpt that's the, on the back. The blurb? Yeah, but like the section of the book that's printed on the back uh, of the book. yeah. I looked up from the bright red blood pulsing out of my arm into the fevered eyes of six suddenly ravenous vampires. She picked up the book and I like read that back bit and went, oh, lovely. In like that sarcastic, like, <laughs> mumsy like really glad you're reading that you just enjoy <laughs> that's my only real memory of oh that book. so it's just getting the book not I... do you not remember obviously reading it and werewolves are then introduced so i've always preferred werewolves to vampires you have, yeah starting with oz and buffy it's my first crush <laughs> it's left me with a lot of feelings about vampires hairy men <laughs> 
not necessarily hairy men, actually. No, just there's something about men waking up naked in the middle of the woods. Mm. What but, does that say about oh, you? I don't know. Let's not look into it. Let's not think about it too much. But yeah, I, I don't really have a memory of... I feel like we had a conversation, though. Well, we probably did. When, I probably just when don't the werewolves it. were introduced... Because it's not traditional. There's no full moon. There's no howling. Yeah, exactly. As we talked about a little bit last time, Mm. Stephanie Meyer's take on mythology is different. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't know. I don't remember what I thought about it then. I know how I feel now. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob certainly knows. Oh, he is not. He could never... Honestly, Seth Green as Oz changed my life. Aww. So beautiful. With the black nail polish, he like changed his hair every five episodes. Does his height never bother you? No. <laughs> they had him stand on apple crates to kiss Aww. Alison Hannigan. This isn't a Buffy podcast, we should move on. <laughs> For today's episode, we will be discussing the first part of New Moon all the way to chapter 12. Now, Isaac, can you please tell us the plot? I can. So like Twilight, New Moon begins with a preface set in the climactic scene of the novel, so we don't actually know what's going on yet, but spoiler alert, like, we do know that Bella has spoken to Alice. Oh. Alice's name is mentioned, I'm like, oh great, so a few chapters in, I'm a bit like, well, I know that she's going to speak to Alice again. When the book actually begins in earnest, it's Bella's birthday. She's 18 and she's a Virgo like I am. Mm, I found that interesting. Oh, did you? (laughs) I'm not sure that she's a great representation of a Virgo person. Oh, maybe she is. She's tidy. Is she? She's obsessive. Not of mind. Not of mind. (laughs) She's not tidy of mind. Is that going to be like your new euphemism? (laughs) She's lovely, but she's not very tidy of mind. (laughs) Bella's now in her senior year of high school. She's not interested in celebrating her birthday at all because it means that she's now technically older than Edward will ever be. She's such an idiot. They watch Romeo and Juliet for English homework, uh, which prompts a conversation about how Edward was planning to kill himself when he thought that Bella might have died. He was going to do that by going to the Volturi. He was going to persuade them to execute him. That's how he was going to kill himself. Does he say the word execute? I don't know if he says the word execute, but he said, like, basically you don't piss off the Volturi. Yeah. Obviously, this is upsetting to Bella, but they don't really get to finish the conversation because then Charlie arrives home. Then they go to the Cullens' house, where Alice is hosting a birthday party for Bella, But Bella gets a paper cut on one of the presents with the wrapping, which causes Jasper to lose control of his killer instincts and the whole family have to restrain him to protect Bella because she's, like, slashed her arm open on a crystal bowl. Because Jasper's, like, launched himself. Yeah, and Edward pushes her. Oh no, paper cut. (laughs) (laughs) Smash. So Bella's, like, bleeding. But then it's fine. Like, Jasper just has to go outside and cool down for a bit. Carlisle stitches Bella up and the two of them talk about theology for a bit. I kind of enjoyed that. It's an alright chapter, yeah. It's but it's contradictory. He tells Bella that Edward believes that vampires have lost their souls and so have no afterlife, and that's why Edward doesn't want to turn Bella into a vampire. Carlyle does believe that vampires can go to heaven, but he thinks that Edward should still have a say in whether or not Bella is turned. Because, regardless of what you believe, a man should always control what a woman does with her body. Yeah, absolutely. Carlyle still has doubts about whether it was the right thing for him to have doomed others to this life but he still he, does like, it he's just said that he believes that vampires go to heaven but he still has doubts 
However, Carlyle doesn't regret saving Edward because he thinks that Edward's human mother knew that Carlyle was a vampire. Yeah, interesting. And kind of like asked him mm. to save Edward. Interesting. Anyway, then Edward takes Bella home and he's all moody and cold with her and he stays that way for the next two days. On the third day, Edward takes Bella for a walk in the woods by her house and tells her that he and his family are leaving. He doesn't want her to come. He makes her promise not to do anything reckless or stupid and he promises her that she will never see him again. Mm. It will be as if he never existed. Exactly. She has this complete breakdown. She goes wandering through the forest and ends up curled up on the forest floor, catatonic. And eventually she's found by Sam Uli. Mm-hmm. He's like a... An upstanding member yeah. of the La Push community. Yeah. So everyone's very pleased that he was there to help find her. We then jump forward four months to January. <sighs> How do we get there? How do we get there, Isaac? Let's, let's not think about it just yet. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Have another drink. <laughs> so Charlie's really worried about Bella's mental health and, and the state be. that she's in and he should be he's mm-hmm. right to be but then to try and make charlie feel better bella asks jessica to go see a movie with her in port angeles jessica is shocked uh, because bella has been basically a zombie for the past four months but she agrees to go mm-hmm. they go and see a gory horror film and on the way out to get dinner bella thinks that she recognizes a group of men as the same men who nearly attacked her in twilight mm-hmm. also on a trip to port angeles and she's like intrigued by them so she approaches them obviously to jessica's horror and when she approaches them she kind of hallucinates edward's voice she Mm -hmm. hears edward's voice in her head telling her to keep herself safe anyway it turns out they're not the same men and bella and jessica go home and jess is like what the fuck (laughs) i love jess (laughs) obviously jessica in this book is so good she like really comes into her own yeah I'm she does really proud of her i think yeah. she does a great job so i mean jess will just clearly not be hanging out with bella again but now this hallucination of edward's voice has changed the nature of bella's grief she's been shocked out of her numbness and is now feeling like a real visceral pain of loss the next day bella resolves to begin behaving recklessly she wants to intentionally break the promise that she made to Edward, and she happens upon two broken motorcycles that are being given away. She takes them to Jacob Black, who is eager to fix them up for her. Spending time with Jacob while they fix up the bike really perks Bella up. She's laughing and smiling again, properly communicating with her mum, and Charlie is thrilled by the difference in her. When the motorbikes are finished, Jacob and Bella drive to a secluded spot where Bella can learn to ride them. On the way, they see a group of young men from La Push cliff diving. It's Sam Muley and his gang. They're a cult, Jacob fears, that have indoctrinated his friend Embry, and they're led by Sam. Jacob worries that he could be recruited next. While learning to ride her motorbike, uh, Bella hallucinates Edward's voice again. She's thrilled. Uh, Then she crashes and has to go to the hospital to get stitches, but continues risking her life to ride the motorcycle and hear Edward's voice. When Charlie starts to get suspicious, because Bella's going to the hospital quite a bit, they decide to take a break from the bikes, And on Bella's suggestion, they start looking for the meadow that Edward brought her to in Twilight. Bella's trying to physically connect with her memories of Edward. Jacob has a serious crush on Bella. Through an unfortunate series of events involving Bella trying not to hurt anyone's feelings, Bella ends up going to the movies with Jacob and Mike Newton. Poor Mike, can I just say? Eh. (gasps) Poor Mike. Well, okay. Has she made it clear? I think she has made it clear. She's made it clear multiple times. But she keeps leading him on see mike has a line in this where he says women are cruel mm-hmm. or girls are cruel yeah and, I'm a and bit she, like, but 
Fuck you, Mike. Usually, yes. But then she goes, oh, yes, it would appear that way, wouldn't it? I'm like, no, you are fucking cruel. Not maybe less so to Mike, but definitely towards Jacob. We'll discuss. (laughs) I think that everyone is cruel to everyone. But basically, it's a disaster when they go to the movies. Um, She's on this... Well, not for Jacob. Well, it kind of is for everyone. Because both boys are vying for Bella's attention. Mm. But then Mike gets the stomach flu and spends a lot of time throwing up. Mm. Jacob and Bella have a heart to heart. Yeah, yeah. And and she's like, look, I can't love you. Okay, yeah, so it it doesn't work out the way that he wants it to. No, but it works out in a way that Mm. is not good for either of them. It's not healthy. No. Back at home, Bella's Uh caught the same virus that Mike has. Yeah, interesting that. Is it? (laughs) Well, I forgot about that. And I was like, oh, she gets sick. Charlie does not do well. When Bella is sick. Charlie can do the bare minimum. Yeah. And Bella's like, he's so sweet. Yeah. And we do too. As readers, we're like, oh, Charlie's such a good guy. He's he can't the- deal with vomit. He's like, bye, I'm going. Honestly, if Charlie was my housemate, I'd be disappointed with the lack of care yeah. shown. If he were my father, <laughs> I'd be hurt. It's an interesting plot point. I suppose it's making room for what we're about to learn about Jacob. Yeah. Because Bella spends the next 24 hours throwing up. Mm-hmm. And Jacob is also sick, or so we hear, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't recover as quickly as Bella. So he can't have the same 24-hour thing. And he doesn't return her calls, and now it seems like he's actually avoiding her. Bella gets really hurt, she starts to slip back into her depression without Jacob's company. She goes looking for the meadow by herself, and she finds it. Then out of nowhere, Laurent shows up. He just kind of breezes in. Yeah, nothing you can do about They're it. They're really shocked to see each other, and Bella's actually quite pleased. I know. Bella's... Oh, she's just... Well, I think for Bella's sick head, she thinks, it's not an illusion. <laughs> untidy head, if you will. Untidy head. She's like, oh, it's real. Vampires exist. You are proof that it existed. That life I am, I am mourning. Yeah, which makes sense. But then he's like, someone's going to torture and kill you. But don't worry, I won't <laughs> let it get to that. I'm going to kill you. It'll be far less painful than what Victoria has planned for you, so be grateful. I'm a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. (laughs) But he's stopped and chased off by a pack of gigantic, monstrous wolves. Random. Bella runs home and tells Charlie about the wolves. She's panicking about everything, but especially about Victoria, because she and Charlie are vulnerable. The next day, Bella has realised that Jacob has become a member of Sam's cult. She drives to La Push to confront Jacob. Jacob's cut all his hair off. He's stern and cold with Bella, and he tells her that they can't be friends. Finally. But he won't say why. And if she wants to blame anyone, she should blame the Cullens. What? Bella goes home, she's hurt and confused, and she's spiralling into what could be another breakdown. But then that night, Jacob sneaks into Bella's bedroom and asks her to guess what his secret is. Uh, Because he's, like, physically unable to tell her. When he tries to tell her, it's like he's choking. In the night, everything finally clicks into place for Bella. (laughs) She remembers the legends that Jacob told her in Twilight and realises that Jacob is a werewolf. This half of the book ends with Bella horrified. Her best friend is this monstrous killer wolf. Mm. And her dad is out there trying to hunt hunt the wolves with a bunch of volunteers. So her dad's in danger, Jacob could be in danger, but murderer. He kills people. Exactly. What does she do? Mm. And that's how we end this half of the book. You're going to go first with the things that came up for you, yeah. right, this time? so I just have, again, kind of like um, in the first episode, I just have one big topic that I would like to discuss. In the first half, the thing that drives the plot is the breakup. Mm-hmm. 
as I said before, I really, really didn't like this book out of the whole saga. Mm. Um, and it's one that I never go back to. Or if I did go back to, I only went to certain parts of this book. Really? Yes, because this midsection, which is primarily this first half, I hate I would skip this section from the minute Edward leaves. I would skip until his return. That's Spoiler the whole alert, book. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Because I, unlike you, I don't care about werewolves. I think it's not even that I like werewolves. I think it's that I don't like Edward. Mm. Maybe not the first time around, first time reading it, but reading it this time, quite frankly, I've been glad to see him gone. Well, I think it yeah. really improves the you story. Know, this is the first time I've really liked Jacob. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Rereading it. I think you're going to be surprised by my okay. thoughts. So really what came about rereading this is the representation of a breakup. Mm-hmm. I think what shocked me the most is how fucking relatable it is. I'm glad you said that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that I've been through what Bella's been through mm. at all, because no one has. Actually, that's this is how I felt. This, oh my god! So this is this was really interesting rereading, and I think maybe I don't remember if I reread this book whilst going through my first breakup, and mm. maybe that's why I didn't like this section. Whoa! Did it, you find it too close to home? Yeah. This Wait, is, no, you wouldn't. Going through your not, first breakup. Not. Not the first time reading this book but oh, when... you know when you you love a book so much and i did with these books and i would reread them and go back and this section i never would go back to throughout your teens yes mm. Mm. it's just fascinating rereading it now and i understand what bella is feeling and it makes me are you saying that she's a well-written character no <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying that i the angst and the pain that you feel, I mean, okay, she's 18 now, but for me personally, it was between 16 and 18. Right. This, Which, to be honest, these books are probably yeah, aimed books, at Exactly. That is the target younger. audience. And uh, yes, we were a bit younger, but maybe 15 to 19 yeah. is, is the age. And going through my first breakup, my first love... It was exactly like this. Not exactly. I didn't end up in a forest and Sam Yuli didn't pick me up and bring me to my dad. But just the feelings and the numbness and the depression, if I can say that. I, you know, I wasn't... I, at least to my memory, you've never been what Bella is in this no. book. But there are some things she says and some things she thinks and does that I myself did. So after my first breakup... I was traumatised. Two weeks solid, I was on the sofa. I couldn't even go to my room. I didn't shower. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep very well. The living room was my room. Um, I just was constantly in front of the TV. I couldn't focus on anything. I didn't want my phone near me. I didn't want to talk to anybody. My mum even, like, I remember my mum coming into my room crying, just saying, like, I don't even recognise who you are. It was horrendous. Have you ever had a breakup that bad before? Since, sorry. No. I don't think I will allow myself to get to that point now. I think I I think I needed that mm. to know that if I can deal with that and be okay and be stronger, I'm going to be fine no matter what happens. No matter who I'm with, no matter... Do you think, because it's something that crossed my mind about Bella, mm. 
that is the severity of her depression and her grief due to the way that Edward has treated her. Yeah. In terms of the emotional manipulation. Well, that's exactly what I was about to get to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It, absolutely. It's the toxicity or the toxic manner of the relationship yeah. that drives this breakup that, that makes it even worse. A completely toxic relationship where you are isolated from your friends. Um, it is you are completely dependent on that person and that person alone mm. and your waking hours are spent thinking about them constantly not focusing on yourself or school or you know you have no capacity to think about anybody else but this person and then the minute and, and you believe that's right you and you believe, believe that's, that's right and you believe that's so right ro- yeah and you believe that's what's romantic and they're doing the same they're not doing the same you shouldn't have to depend on someone so entirely it's you shouldn't need someone you should want someone yeah to be part of your life and to share it reminds me of in the perks of being a wallflower the book Mm. there's a moment where charlie's sister is being made to break up with her boyfriend because he's hit her she's arguing with her parents her parents are saying you're never seeing that boy again i don't i don't have in front of me but she says that he's my whole world and her mum I think says to her, don't you ever say that about anyone again, not even me. Yes. And I always thought it was such a brilliant... Good parenting. Yeah. Really good A great moment of actually... You should should be be your own person and your own world. No one should be your entire world. You should want people. You shouldn't need them. They shouldn't be your life source. Yeah. And I think Edward is as much Bella's drug... As it is the other way around. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and she's... God, she's in withdrawal. She she is. Mm. And she is like a heroin addict. So really, from chapter three to chapter 12, she's dealing with this breakup. And she, yeah. is, she is not dealing with it well. And she can only cope with it when she's in the presence of Jacob. And only mm-hmm. then. And then it's... And she describes it as a whole. I made a note in my copy saying that I'm really enjoying that particular depiction of grief. I find it really effective and quite relatable. Oh, I hate it. Oh, really? The whole... Yeah, and I hate that she has to grab her chest. Oh, but... But I understand <sighs> the feeling. I I love that depiction of emotional trauma as a physical thing. And that is kind of how it is. Yeah, the idea of physically holding yourself together. It was so funny because I was having a conversation with Kieran, my, my current boyfriend. <laughs> Um, about breakups and is there a healthy way to deal with them and we have very opposing views of what to do with the stuff that you've collected over that relationship stuff yeah Yeah. so you know how edward gets rid of everything there's no Mm. evidence of him and i think that's best i think because of the way i dealt with my first relationship i just got rid of everything well no it took a while i mean the guy demanded his stuff back (laughs) and then I put everything in a bin bag outside my door. I didn't want him coming to my house and neither did my family. So he picked up the bag and drove over it in front of my house. He demanded his stuff back Mm -hmm. and then destroyed it in front of your house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God, he was such a... Good guy. He's such a good guy. Such a good guy. So I I remember clinging on to this leather jacket that was so ugly, but I, I loved it for some reason. But because of that experience and obviously what he did with the things, mm. fr- from then on, in previous relationships, things have gone straight away. It's a really interesting one, actually, because I've also had that same kind of attitude of clean slate. It has to be gone. Been everything. Yeah. 
But I've not done that in the past. Mm. And I think it just depends on the... I was about to get very metaphysical, but... uh, Please do, let's tell. The energy of things. No! It's about the weight you give that and whether... But this, exactly. Can this object be this object? Can you cleanse it of the energy of that relationship? Yes, exactly. And I don't want to be shocked. I don't want to find something mm-hmm. and then everything be brought back. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you can face that object and it can become just that object. Yeah. Or you can give it new energy, a new story, then that's fine. I own things that were mm. gifts from an ex, but I have to think about where they came from well, to realise where they're from. So I, I don't think I can separate that. No. And Bella definitely couldn't. No. So in a way, it, it's good that Edward takes everything. Whereas what Kieran was saying mm. was that he keeps things. He used to be a hoarder of things. And it's not that they meant anything to him, but he felt he was betraying that person by getting rid of it. Which is a whole other... Well... <laughs> kettle of fish. Cause, yeah, because yeah, then if you're not keeping them as like mementos for mm-hmm. yourself... Mm-hmm. What are you doing? It's just collecting dust. Yeah, of an obligation to someone else. And then that means that that person is still there in your thoughts. Absolutely, and you still feel beholden to them. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think I'm very much like, I don't owe you anything. We're done now. I I can't have anything. Get rid. Yeah. Burn the sage. (laughs) Light the match. Like you were never here. Yeah, and I, I think that's just something I will have to just continually do. Edward... Again, he doesn't give her a choice. He's like, no, don't worry about it. It'll be as if I never existed because this is for the greater good. For, mm. It's for you that I'm doing this. But it's impossible yes. for that to happen. Yeah. These days, we're always accessible in some way. I know. And Bella manages to find a way to do that with Edward where he's not fully gone. Mm. She finds the house. Mm. She's looking for the meadow. Yeah. And there's just moments of picking the scab. Mm-hmm. And it fully reminded me of checking your ex's Instagram. <laughs> is essentially we all do what it. she's doing. I still do it with people I dated. I wasn't even having a proper relationship. Every now and again, you're just like, oh, what's that person doing? And it's it's so bad, but that's... The craving of... Yeah. The, yeah. And that's why I have to check because there's something unfinished in your head. Even if it's just that we never had that conversation or we never had mm. that goodbye or you I ghosted me. <laughs> but you still follow me on Instagram. Or Why you wa- do you do that? Yeah, or you watch every story of mine. But is Edward watching. ghosting Bella? No, because he's broken up with her. He said. Well, he said. I but... don't want you to come with me. <laughs> I can't believe he ghosted me like that. <laughs> He literally said he to you. He told you. Fair enough. I never want to see you yeah. again. But what is he taking ghosting to a whole new level with this hallucination crap? What do you think about that? I never questioned it when I first read this book. The hallucinations? Yeah, I just thought, oh, they're somehow connected. Their love means that... You thought it was like love magic? When I first read it, yeah, I did. I thought their love is so strong. He, he does protect her. I see it as a delusion of Bella's. And... I don't think it necessarily means that she's snapped. She is on the verge. The thing is, everybody says, oh, you have to go through your first heartbreak. And I think the the thing that Bella isn't doing is she's just taking this breakup as, yeah, well, obviously, he was too good. He was too beautiful. Right, of course that's... he didn't want to be with me. Mm-hmm. She wasn't taking the time to analyse their relationship and why did it break down and... 
and actually maybe this is good for me yeah you know maybe this is what yeah. i need it makes me care for her a little bit like it it does until she i think she uses jacob Ooh. yeah it's not fair at what point is she using jacob though she's using him to feel something but but he's happy and he's he might be happy but is it good for him <sighs> yes it's both their choice they yeah. are they get to decide but you know in the cinema yeah she's saying you know okay jacob it's not the same um and we are just friends she's still allowing him to act as a boyfriend there are there are very blurred lines i know but are there any blurred lines because we're not used to guys and girls being friends is this just because oh like like charlie but can you be friends if you want to sleep with your friend okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah no well i don't know yeah this is the when harry met sally question I think that for the most part, maybe in the second half of the book it crosses a line. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. Yeah. I think for the most part, Bella is honest about what she's feeling-ish, to an extent, as much as Jacob needs her to be. But I think she's quite clear to Jacob that they are going to be friends. Mm -hmm. And what he then does is on him. He's responsible for his own feelings. Yeah, he is. He at any point could say, I can't do this mm. because I'm I'm not going to be able to be just friends with you. And instead what he does is say one of the worst lines in the book. <laughs> no, it's probably not one of the worst. It's one of the worst. No, fuck it. It is. <laughs> he says, I'm prepared to be annoyingly persistent. I think Jacob is Bella's rebound. I, I don't think that's Bella's intention. Well, that's what's happening. Is it? Yeah. I think it's only happening in Jacob's head. I don't think Bella ever went in looking for Jacob to. No, not intentionally. But that's what starts to happen. Yes, but I don't think that's her fault. And I think Jacob. Mm. I think there's something insidious about Jacob saying, "I'm going to be annoyingly persistent." Basically. Mm. You're gonna love me. Yeah. I'm gonna stick around Long until enough. you like it. Yeah. Because I did like him mm. when she shows up with the bikes and he's just thrilled to see her and mm. he's like, "You missed my birthday. Doesn't matter." Yeah. He is so forgiving. And I do really like Jacob to start off with. He's lovely. Where he starts to cross a line for me is with this idea of like, "It's okay. You don't need to love me right now. You will." Yeah, but this is what happens with a rebound. But but that's saying it's Bella's fault. I'm n- it's both of their faults. They're both to blame. Mm. And this is what happens. You have someone else that you're like, I don't love you. You're not the person that I would actually want to be with. But you find me attractive or you make me laugh when I thought it wasn't possible. You're fun to be around. I just can't. You aren't going to replace that person. But you are a filler. Hmm. And that is... And Jacob is filling the hole. He's a filler. I don't know. It's just such a shame that Jacob had to have a crush on Bella. It is such a shame. If Jacob was not at all attracted to Bella, Mm. and they were 
be a just much better friends. story. It'd yeah. Be so Why nice. does Bella have to play to this stereotype again of being a damsel in distress and being desirable by like desired by every man? She is inexplicably so hot. Yeah. Like, everyone fancies her. And she's not looking after herself. It's not she like not she's perfectly eating. well put together. No, she is not tidy of mind. <laughs> Over to you, Isaac. What would you like to discuss? I just want to take a moment to celebrate that Bella has a job. Yeah! Because it was a question I had in Twilight. Where does her money come from? She's got a job. She works at the Sporting Goods Store, which is run by Mike Newton's parents. Yeah. Or at least his mum. It got me thinking a little bit about money in this depiction of Forks. And, And particularly around Bella, money plays into class and... It affects what we have access to. Mm-hmm. Very much in the States, it affects education. Yeah. Like what's going to come next for Bella. So Bella tells us very early on in this book, she says, I never had much money. Edward had a lot of money. Bella has found herself a man with a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. Interesting how they get their money. It seemed to be implied in the first book that money was just something that happened when you're a vampire. You just <laughs> got a lot of money. But isn't it explained that Alice has... Yeah. Yeah. It's Cheating a... the system there. Alice's premonitions mean that they can predict what's going to happen to the stock market. Is that fraud? Yeah. I mean... Obviously, it's not something that there won't be a law about because people don't really, no. as far as we know, see the future. Mm. But that's morally questionable surely absolutely but i guess to help drive the story of them being able to do whatever they want they have to have money of course but also i think it's more about making edward this figure i think that bella has been designed to be as relatable as possible to as many readers as possible Mm -hmm. and i think that includes her finances Mm -hmm. i think that she's comfortable enough to like go shopping whenever she wants to but she isn't so rich. Yeah, and money isn't a guarantee for her household. You have exactly. to work for it. Yeah, which also plays into making her, like we've talked about it before. But her being mature. Yeah, mm. a little bit more grown up. But I also think it plays into her relationship with Edward. It kind of sets out a bit of a Cinderella story. Yeah. She's able to be kind of rescued or socially elevated through her relationship with this man. Mm-hmm. There's even, it's not said in black and white, but college was Bella's plan B. She was saving up for college. Mm-hmm. She was saving up, but she didn't really care about her savings because if she was going to be immortal and with the Cullens, she wouldn't need to worry about money anymore. Yeah. So there isn't. Or education. Or education or anything. Yeah. Nothing. Which is a really kind of old timey view. Mm hmm of what marriage would mean for a woman. Mm -hmm. You only need any material things, or education, or money, while a man is not available to provide it for you. Or it's a choice. You have to have one or the other. You're either a spinster, who can be an educator or in education. Exactly. Or you marry well, and you pop babies out. And then you'll probably be much richer. Yeah. And you'll literally never need to worry about anything. Yeah. And that is kind of Bella's goal. But we find out that her mum has worked. Her mum was a kindergarten teacher. She's very snobbish about that. I feel those comments. Really? Yeah, I feel those comments about her parents. um, What did she say? Let me find what she she says. Renee had raised me on a kindergarten teacher's salary and Charlie wasn't getting rich at his job either. He was the police chief here in the tiny town of Forks. 
Bella clearly has ideas mm-hmm. relating to success and wealth being a part of that, mm-hmm. which I think is significant. Bella also has a thing with receiving gifts. Drives me up the wall. At first, it seems really modest. Yeah. She says, like, she doesn't want her birthday to be celebrated because of the whole age thing, but also she says, like, Edward was already more than I deserved. Yeah, again, with the... Constantly putting herself down, constantly thinking that he is... Can't believe I've bagged this one. This rich, handsome vampire. He can't possibly now get me a birthday present. He's more than I deserve, so... Blah, blah. And it just gets quite irritating, and it actually gets to the point where Edward calls her out on it. Oh. He says that... Cheers, Eddie boy. Yeah, and I thought it was actually quite good. I was like, great point, Bella's being a bitch. Yeah, she is. Because she sulks the whole way through the beginning of her birthday. So Stop, don't buy me anything, stop celebrating. And Edward says the last real birthday any of us had was Emmett in 1935. Cut us a little slack and don't be too difficult tonight, they're all very excited. Mm. And actually, that's fair enough. Yeah. You can go too far. Like, yeah, everyone wants to be like, oh, no, 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 I don't need anything. Don't get me anything. But when someone is offering you things, there's something quite ungrateful. It is, yeah. And quite obnoxious about sulking or just accept the gift, accept the compliment, accept They're someone wanting so to hard. celebrate you. Yeah, and you want to be part of their family. So stop putting these obstacles. Yeah, that's exactly what she's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, that just had me thinking about money. Can we talk about masculinity, please? Oh, absolutely. Please don't <laughs> ask my permission. Go ahead. We've already discussed hairy men. Oh, so I want to start with um, body image. I think we get some really nice... I don't know if, I'm, I don't know if nice is the right really word. Really nice. Some really nice <laughs> body <bodies>. image. <laughs> I just think it's quite nice to see male characters worried about their appearance. When does this happen? Oh, see, you're surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Mike has changed his hair to look more like Edward. Oh, yes. He did do that, didn't he? That struck me. I don't know if it made me feel for Mike, but it certainly made me like, wow. Yeah, again, poor Mike. I don't know. I have such mixed feelings with Mike. Jessica, I've now come firmly down on the pro-Jess line. She's excellent. Justice for Jess. Sometimes he's just a He's a little bit douchey. He's he's quite douchey. There's a little bit of douche in him, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I just thought this was a moment of vulnerability for Mike. Well, he's very vulnerable all of the time. Yeah, but he doesn't think he is. Oh yeah. Oh no, he, he does. <laughs> he thinks he's extremely vulnerable. He's trying so hard to be like, oh, no, no, please, girls are cruel. Yeah, <laughs> but. He's changed his hair to look yeah. more like Edward. There's a cool boy at school with cool hair and another boy has tried to copy his hair. I just thought that was quite something. <laughs> Jacob is proud of his height, but isn't happy about his weight. Oh. When Bella first sees him hmm. again, she's like, whoa, look how tall you are. And he's like, oh, still a beanpole. And like grimaces or winces, I forget what he actually says. Interesting, we have a teenage boy concerned about his body image, which is realistic. Wait, that yes, happens. this happens, of course you are. But I think for like 2000, what, 2007? Yeah. When this was out, I thought that was quite good to have a male character have those kind of moments of insecurity. Okay, or, props to me. Yeah. And Quill, 
She describes his white t-shirt straining over his well-developed chest, and he seemed gleefully conscious of that fact. Yeah. Obviously, that's... It's come into his own, Like a finally. pride. Yeah. yeah. But again, that's a pride about your body. Mm-hmm. So we see Jacob feeling that he's underdeveloped and not mm. being happy about that. I mean, this is a tool to make us like Jacob more. Of course, yeah. To favour him. Quill is like a bit of a show-off. Yeah. But it's still interesting. It's a comment on the male body, which I definitely hadn't picked up on before. No. And I think that otherwise would be either skimmed over or it would just be, we don't need to comment on the men's bodies. Let's get back to criticising the women. Mm-hmm. The relationships that men have with each other and with just other people. Everyone that we know to have been looking for Bella when she goes missing. Mm. So Edward breaks up with her. She's curled up on the forest floor. They're all men. Mm-hmm. Mike is there. He's been looking with his dad. Angela's dad is there, but no Angela. Or Angela's mother. No mums. All dads and sons who have gone out looking for Bella. I just feel like that's not an accident. That's clearly this town. That is what is, that's what happens. Just like the teachers. The male teachers have names. This is a town of men. Yeah. With a few teenage girls and a mother who's mentioned in passing. Yeah. The men in the shop trying to one-up each other about, yeah. like, tales from the hike or whatever, tales yeah. from the trail. Quill and Embry making jokes about Bella and Jacob, which Bella just seems fine with. She just seems to kind of ignore it. And Jacob play fights with them and threatens them. And that's normal. Yeah. That's the way that boys interact boys with each other. Boys will be boys. And also, it's hard to read. You don't see it exactly. But they, like, whisper to each other something particular. Like, Bella says something and they're whispering and... Mm. I got the impression of a crude joke. Yeah. Something about her. Some undercurrent of yeah, sexuality. exactly. And then I just got Jacob's line about being annoyingly persistent, which yeah, I think not is Not good. Is not good, Jacob. A little bit about the uh, about emotions. Mm. I've only really got one major thing. I think there are others that I probably missed with the wolves, but I thought it was significant that Jasper, after attacking Bella... Yeah. She asks, I think it's Alice, like, how's he doing? And Alice says he's he's doing okay, but he hates feeling weak. Oh, dear. Not dangerous. Nope. Not that he feels guilty. He hates feeling... <laughs> he hates losing control. Or he hates that he could have hurt you. He hates feeling weak. Like, that's the lowest a man can be, is yeah. weak. Absolutely. A few things about reputation. Or not necessarily reputation, but how men are thought of and what men do. Mm. So just the just sweeping statements we get about men. Oh, please sweep away. Men like to go fast. Oh, Everyone yeah. who complains about the speed of Bella's car is a man. Yeah. Teenage boys are reckless. Yeah. I think Bella says, like, oh, thank God, only a teenage boy. You could count yes. on a teenage boy who wouldn't mind me spending my college money on parts for cars and yeah. sneaking around behind our parents' backs and going out to do something that is ultimately reckless and dangerous there are a lot of girls who like to be reckless yeah bella being one of them yeah i was going to say she's like oh thank god for a teenage boy i'm just gonna look for this quote because i've written here men need to have their egos protected it's leading up to the The trip to the movies Mm. she's trying to convince mike to go along with her and he says like oh you're gonna bring some of your friends from the reservations Mm. And she's like, oh, they're only sophomores. Something about they do homework together. He's like, oh, you you could call it tutoring. They're only sophomores. Oh, that's to help him. Yeah. She does a lot of appeasing. And it's part of her, like, luring him in, like, getting him to agree to this. But part of that is by saying, oh, don't worry about them. They're young. They're boys. You're a man, Mike. (laughs) Not a man, Mike. Just while we're talking about masculinity, I just thought, Charlie... So I've counted five different moments in this half of the book where Charlie 
can't cook or won't cook a meal. Oh. He actually says to Bella, oh, it's your birthday. I thought you could do with a break from cooking dinner. So I ordered pizza. Thanks, Charlie. He can't cook. So what's he been doing? Has he been living off takeaway and Harry Clearwater's fish fry? It's good fry. I don't even know what that is. Okay. I tried to Google it. I don't know. If anyone knows what fish fry is, yeah. tweet us yeah. or something. <laughs> I... He needed Alice to save him from the horror of helping his daughter shower. Whatever. It's pretty horrific. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like having his picture taken. It's a very dad thing. He insists... Oh, this killed me. He... <laughs> Honestly, I was like, Charlie, stop. He insists on carrying Bella all the way home when she's found oh, in the woods. Oh, that does. It is agonising. There is a younger and stronger man available who's to help. Who's already just done this. Yeah, he's carried her from the woods and he's fine to continue. Yeah. But he insists, even though it takes him longer. Yeah. And he's probably really hurt himself. Like, Charlie, what are you doing? Yeah. It's so unnecessary. Dick measuring. Uh, yeah, and but not even in the same way. It's not like lads trying to no, one-up each other, but it's, not, it's just but it's like, like I'm, I'm a father. Yeah, I am her father. I will carry my daughter home. She is in pain. For God's sake, Charlie, yeah. you're not getting any younger. I did like that he has the sense to talk to Bella about her mental health. Yes. Like, yes, he could have done it about three months earlier, but, <laughs> but the fact that he does that, props to Charlie. There's a great moment where Bella and Jacob are falling out and he stands up to Billy when he's like, we've been friends forever, Billy. Yeah. But this is hurting my daughter. Yeah. Oh, it just got tingles. He's never been sexier. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I did appreciate that. See, it's, isn't it funny that that's kind of a moment, like insisting on carrying her home, where he's just really swinging his dick around. <laughs> but I, yeah. It's, it's very endearing. And I think it means more because... Well, it means more. <laughs> because we know, yeah. Because it is family. Yeah. Final little one. He doesn't want Bella to become a tree hugger. What is that about? When does he say this? When Bella's like, Dad, you're not going out to hunt the wolves, are you? And he's like, you aren't turning into a tree hugger on me, are you? Right. I don't know. I just felt that was a bit like, what? I feel like he would have had a similar reaction if Bella had said that she was going to be a vegetarian. Mm. Like, it, it just felt a bit like unnecessary judgment. Well, where do you think Bella gets it from? Well, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, judgy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just that like, no daughter of mine is going to want to protect the animals. Like, mm, Charlie, again, put your dick away. We get it. Put it away. I mean, I'm sure it's lovely. But... <laughs> In that moment on the phone it is. Charlie would get it. I think. <laughs> no? No? <laughs> no? It's bending question time! <laughs> Sounds more like the wind. <laughs> oh. How do you do a flame? <laughs> Please stop! <laughs> if we had a match. Oh. Yeah, that's better. So, um, this is my burning question. It's kind of a two-question thing. Cheat? I know, I'm sorry. It's alright, you'll forget. Oh, thank you. Okay. Bringing you back to when Carlisle and Bella are talking when he's sewing her up. Mm -hmm. Talking about afterlife. What is the afterlife like for vampires? Or are they already in their afterlife? Wow. Yeah. Like ghosts. Yeah. Like, if you're a vampire, that's it. This this is the human... Are they dead? Well, exactly. That is, that is my burning question to you, sir. Oh, so now this is a really tricky one because... you got to make a decision. So are you saying... And it's final. But does this mean that we are saying that in the Twilight universe, heaven exists. Well, that's what you've got to come up with. 
What do you think if there Like if I was an atheist, I'd be like, well, the afterlife for vampires is the same as afterlife for humans. It doesn't exist. We're <laughs> gone. <laughs> but if I'm going along with Carlyle's train of thought, there is a heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would be vampires in heaven. I don't think that they are already in their afterlife. Okay. I don't think that when a vampire dies, that then there's nothing. Okay. I think that the afterlife for vampires is a version of the life that they would like to be living. So if you were Esme, I You'd think... You'd have your baby. But also the Cullen family mm. together. You would just be the very essence of you. You know, there'd be no vampires, no humans. It wouldn't matter. Everyone would just be them at their happiest and healthiest. I feel like for Esme, it would just be a family dinner Aww. that goes on forever. Yeah, no one ever gets full. Everyone just continues to eat. That's nice. And chat. Yeah. And that's just me using Esme as an example. So I imagine with Carlisle, it's just him at peace. Again, probably with family. With or a good book. With a good book <laughs> yeah. that's never going to end. Yeah. And for Bella, it's just... Getting the D. Edward's <laughs> dick in her mouth. <laughs> Gagging on that oh, vampire no. D. I'm disgusted with myself. <laughs> So I'm going to ask you now, Chloe, Yes. to provide your final verdict <laughs> on the novel New Moon. Okay. So first up, are you a fan of this book today? I am more of a fan of this book than I was, mm-hmm. for sure. It has better elements in it than Twilight, which I didn't think I would find. Okay. But still is extremely problematic. Was that an answer? <laughs> gonna say the mood i'm in yeah would you have encouraged teenage chloe to read this book no it's still not helpful what has this book taught you oh. <laughs> um this book has taught me that we still desperately need strong female protagonists we're getting better but it's not enough mm. it still needs we still need it yeah bella's not she ain't improving. a feminist icon Thank you for joining us for the first part of our discussion of the novel New Moon. We'll be back in two weeks to examine the second half of this book, but in the meantime you can join us on Twitter and Instagram at ForksCast. And you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, take care. And remember, a tidy mind is a happy mind.